Hey, this is Ryan Grimes. Welcome to Off the Circle. Today we're going to talk with Brian Rowe, the CEO of Perceivant. entrepreneurs and business people. Learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way. Off the Circle, the Indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before. Brian Rowe began coding at age 13. He took the love for data at, to a position at Cummins that won him an award from CIO Magazine for 50 best intranets. Later, he founded a software company which eventually sold to Salesforce for $21 million. Today, he's using his lifelong love of data and analytics to re revolutionize college campuses. So wait, a, wait let's go back. <laughs> sold, sold to Salesforce. Yeah. And you're not on an island somewhere and enjoying it? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. no. I found an island, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I suggested that that would be the appropriate next step. Yeah. Um, and uh, my uh, children are in high school and uh, need to graduate, go to college, and they're very much based in the Indiana community. But I, I haven't lost the love for that idea. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, but let's face it, you're an entrepreneur, so you're addicted to <laughs> well, this. What would ride. I do there? Yeah, exactly. Drive every. When they're crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> well, and it's always great to see someone stay within the ecosystem here regionally as well. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, we, we love speaking to entrepreneurs that are, um, are keeping their businesses here. And then, and then the ecosystem that grows, you know, out of exact target has been absolutely incredible. So now, now you're on to a new startup perceivant. And do you want to tell everybody what, where did it come from? How did it start? Sure. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about the mission of Perceivant now. I think it took some twists and turns uh, to get there, right? But today we produce courseware that replaces traditional textbooks for higher ed institutions like BYU, UNC, uh, Ohio State. So some, some name brand uh, universities that you've probably heard of at one point in time. Uh, we're very excited that uh, they trust us with the courseware for their students. Uh, but uh, it took it took a little bit of a of a turn to get there. We started out really um, after I go digital sold to Exact Target. Uh, I had a lot of experience with our analytics there. I uh, ran basically that section and, and did uh, that data analysis. And so I took that expertise and started doing services work. And, and really for the first two years, the company really did big data analytics. So we'd been doing big data work before big data was a word, right? That wasn't a term when we started. Um, and, and really uh, met uh, Chris Johnson at Bareface who, who really had this passion for what was going on in higher ed. Uh, but there was a little bit of challenge sort of on the, on the data and technology side. And so we decided that it would be the right thing for our company uh, to acquire that company and, and really uh, push the execution forward. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a great mission to, to really move forward what's capable in the classroom and the use of technology and, and how it gets adopted and, and really make sure that technology is not the barrier to learning, it's an enabler to learning. 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great thought. Now, higher ed has challenges, right? You know, um, you know, I mean, it takes three years to you know kind of typically approve a course, you know, and we're moving at the speed of light outside of uh, outside of these colleges. What's the are there are the what are the biggest challenges? Is the technology the easiest part of this, and and really the yeah the bureaucracy and you know kind of uh, you know changing up a you know it's basically an industry that has worked well you know for hundreds of years, so it's hard to kind of get that ship to turn right. It, exactly, you know, it's amazing and surprising all in the same like the. The amount and the spectrum of diversity, they're literally doing nuclear physics, right? right. They're, they're literally <laughs> like doing amazing things. But the internet and a mobile device of delivering content is challenging. And you say, how, how could that possibly, you know, be the case? Well, you know, a lot of instructors are extremely busy studying whatever it is they want to be experts in. Right. And if that's nuclear physics, if it's communication, if it's history, art, whatever that is. And so, you know, course design and learning management system technology doesn't always rise to the level of interest uh, that that would rival whatever it is, is their passion to study of why they're at the university in the first place. Right. And so, you know, they don't get a lot of training and they're super busy. And so, you know, for us, a big barrier that we try to knock down is just we have to make the instructor's life more simple. They're not going to use our solution if it doesn't make their life more simple. And we've literally had a, a, a teacher that will be unnamed, you know, say, it's so easy, it feels like I'm cheating. Right? That's fantastic. It's yeah. exactly what you want, yeah. right? And so uh, we sell traditionally like a publisher would sell, like a Pearson or McGraw-Hill would compete with them head-to-head uh, -head in that process and a teacher can adopt our course just like they would any other textbook, except they're gonna get a fully digital solution with a mobile application, all the analytics for their course wrapped up in one nice bundle that's totally set up for them to go day one of class, regardless of if they have one class, or 90 classes. They may have, at some of our schools, they'll have, um, like at University of North Carolina, there's probably 90 sections, 45 instructors turning over every two years. They're all TAs, right? And so you've got this massive group to coordinate and launch. And, and we make sure that, you know, they're all set up and ready to go. Ph phenomenally easier for them. And we do it all cheaper than our competitors. In almost all cases, our solution uh, is more cost effective to the student, right? So, you know, we're not taking years to get a course added to the university curriculum. We're just replacing the courseware that's used today with hopefully what's perceived as a uh, improvement to that courseware. That's incredible. So are you, is the entire, is the text, you know, within the courseware and everything else that you're replacing dead trees and everything? Completely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's good why to hear. Yeah. Why would my you back, print this? My back still hurts. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. No, you, you uh, can read and do everything, even on your, your mobile phone, the, the quote-unquote book. We, we don't really sell the book. We give really the book for free. Okay? We sell access to the course. 
And so the book, uh, you don't have to do a chag where you try to rent it and only rent it for so many days or cram off your so-and-so's book. We just give it to you outright. You get a PDF if you want to print it, print it. If a, if a school, of course, wants us to print some, we'll print them and put them in the bookstore. Nice. That, that's no problem. You can yeah. print on demand. We also produce an ebook, and then we produce what's called guided learning, which uh, walks the student in engaging process through the book itself, through the content of the book, but also engages them with different exercises that they complete as they work through. And when they finish, produces a study guide for them to come back to later, areas they struggled, things they need to come back to, as well as a report for the instructor on how they did, how well they are coming to class prepared. So uh, if you're in the ed tech space, you'd hear something about flip the classroom. Flipping the classroom is really challenging if students don't show up to class prepared. Right. And if you as an instructor stand in front of the classroom Let's say there's 200 kids in your Psych 101 class and you say, who read the material for today? Well, everybody raises their hand. You can't see that on the, on the podcast, of course. But everybody, right, pretty much says, yeah. oh, I mean, of course I did. Did you read it? Yeah. <laughs> right? No, you know, uh, self-reported numbers are around 60% may have read this stuff. But that's self-reporting, so... There's always a question there. Um, but we know that roughly 85% of our students on any given day are showing up prepared to class. And then we can give that report to the teacher and we can show them all the topic areas where the students may have been challenged. They didn't quite get VO2 max last night. Let's talk about that in class when we really try to you know, flip the classroom. So you know, all these things are, are designed with learning theory in mind, engaging the student, keeping them active and interested and trying to remove as many technology barriers yeah. in, in general to learning. And, you know, really it's, we just follow the data. It, it's like what, what moves the needle and, and that really drives our product. So for example, we give our course away for free for the first three weeks. You don't pay. So you may not know this, but a lot of students don't get their financial aid they may not have been able to find books in the bookstore. They don't know how to do X, Y, Z. They didn't get their money for whatever reason. You shouldn't start behind because your financial aid didn't come in. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That should not be a problem. Right. So solved. Right. Just log in and do it. And as you get through to that drop ad date, we then make sure that everybody who's going to stay in the class then pays um, to remain in the course. Um, but before that, you, know, you really just have to to look, be creative, and just knock down those barriers all the time. I'd say so. So the the intersection for you is huge, right? So you you have the user experience of the college professors, you have the business case, obviously, you have the user experience of the of the educated, you know, the students. Then you've got the craft on top of that a way to deliver a learning experience <laughs> yeah 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 that's a lot of problems that you're solving in one platform a ton and i think you know i think part of that has also made it more challenging and interesting when you go to raise money right because traditionally someone would come in and say hey we're an analytics play for higher ed and that's uh, all we do mm -hmm. we do one you know we just do this and i think um, we would be happy to just do one thing 
if we could look at the data in earnest and say, hey, if we just do this one thing, we can have a phenomenal impact. Right. And it'll make students do better. But the reality is that's not true. Our analytics uh, drive everything we do. And, and part of what we learn is some of these questions are bad. Uh-oh. Some of these paragraphs in the textbook, maybe they're not uh, good. Maybe they're just out of sync with the questions. So our analytics actually go through all the quiz analytics back to the content. How many times do students look and read those paragraphs? How many times do they get it right? How many times do they choose? I mean, you get to see this thing goes around and around. And when you follow it and you look at all those things like being able to purchase day one, you know, some of the problems are a total surprise. Like that was a total surprise to me. Hey, why, why are 25% of the students not logged in after the first week of class? Well, you go find out, oh, wait, they don't have the, they didn't have their financial aid yet. So they have no materials. They have no login. Why would we do that to students? But, you know, since it is, since it does touch so many areas and it doesn't just, it's a encapsulated solution like that. Um, sometimes it's not as appealing to an investor that wants you to, you know, maybe do that, that one little widget. But the end result is it's a phenomenally more effective solution. It's more like the Apple model. Yeah. Right. When you say, hey, the ecosystem. Right. Yeah. We're we're not going to be Microsoft anymore. Where we OEM parts. We're going to completely engineer a complete solution so that we can control the experience entirely. And it can be the best one that there possibly is. Right. And, and over time, you know, those things may shift, you know, certainly be open to that. But right now you, you got to you got to focus on what makes a student outcome the best. Uh, just, uh, you know, you guys are focusing on higher education. What about, you know, high school level, uh, education in Indiana? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we would love to be, um, serving high schools mm-hmm. w- without a doubt. Right. Um, but m- what we learned very quickly and, and sort of, uh, you know, Eric Tobias is a mentor. The, the guy is just... Great guy, brilliant genius, you know, and he said, you know, you get to walk through sort of one door to sell something. And if you can sell a couple of things through that one door, okay. But if you have to open multiple doors, you're going to continually struggle. And and that, that was just great advice. And, you know, when we look back at the high school opportunity, it is an insanely different process for them to take you through the buying process. And so while our solution would be absolutely great for a high school, you know, a 10 person team uh, has to be extremely focused and, you know, organizationally competency, it's just, it's just a very different process. And, and, you know, hopefully someday we'll be able to, to, to do that. But uh, today it's just, it's just too different. There's a lot of competition out there in that space too, by, Companies that have Google in the name and yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you, know, now, you know, we're in high schools, by the way. We yeah. go in a weird way. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. we have, for college credit, multiple high school students taking our class in high school. Oh, that's, oh, awesome. that's awesome. Which is great. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. They're just taking it for college credit. Yeah, I've well, got a, a junior in high school now, and he's going to graduate and almost be a sophomore by the time he gets all his – I'm like, we never had that opportunity. Like. No. You had to bring all your books to the library and hope to God you had everything you yeah. needed for the project to work on. Not like, you know, they've got their iPad and their laptop and everything they need to know is on there. Right. The last uh, snow day was a 
study from home day. Mm -hmm. You know, log yeah. in on the computer and do your work and teachers will be checking email, they said. Yeah, yeah to totally changed from when we were there. It, it seems that, uh, you know, colleges are, are, are prime, you know, just from a competitive standpoint. Obviously, they're competing head to head for dollars, you know, with students. But is is there an intersect coming now with expectations for higher ed too that haven't been there in the past? I mean, we've we've got a lot of people. Um, in fact, I read I think it was this month they said that uh, like blue collar blue collar salaries went up higher than white collar salaries for the first time for the first time in a decade, and so. And so, and, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of the, I have two kids that graduated college and I didn't, but I love that my kids graduated college. <laughs> I mean, it was a goal of mine was to make sure that they made it through. And it's not because I thought, oh, that's going to, you know, that's going to be the ticket. It was a sense of insurance, mm -hmm. you know, that if you have a baseline of education, there's, there's a, there's a higher base <laughs> that you can fall to, <laughs> you yeah. know, with that. But it seems like now there's a lot of pressure on colleges and universities that, hey, you're not putting people in higher paying jobs. What are you going to do about this? Yeah. And it seems like Perceivant is positioned well, you know, for colleges and universities to really reassess the learning experience. Yeah. There, there is so much in, in what you just said, you know, we could probably you know, talk for weeks on, <laughs> on unpacking, yeah. you know, every, everything you sort of, uh, said, but I, but I do think it is a unique time for our company to exist because of the pressures being put on the school to do a better job at delivering value to students. And so if you look at our uh, KSU case study that we've talked about where we reduce the DFW rate, that's how often a student gets a D, an F, or withdraws from a class. They sort of measure that rate and say, okay, how, how is this class doing? And, you know, there's really funding is kind of wrapped up in that. It's not as obvious as, as you might think from the outside, especially if you're not in tune with the industry. There could be in some levels, in some ways at certain schools, personal income for the instructor tied to that. So in some situations, adjuncts very often are teaching uh, a lot of these freshman, sophomore students. That's the area that we focus in. And because of the new cost pressures put on universities, you're seeing less tenured professors, more adjuncts, and sometimes they get paid by the student. So if your student gets a DF or withdraws, you, you don't get paid, you know, for the student that withdraw. Wow. So, so, so it's become not an obvious way that you might think about every day, but it's, it can be a very personal matter, but also important to the administration of the school itself. And, you know, I think we've seen it, uh, something like 46% is a common set that they see of students in the U.S. graduate in six years, which is the worst in the English speaking world. Yeah. Um, now. I dragged that down. After seven years, I couldn't graduate. Darn it. After seven years. Now we know. Someone's got to break the curve, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think, uh, like all numbers, those are, are skewed. But if you really, if you really get in there, and, and as someone who does a lot of math on a regular day, if you will, I look at those and, and you can unpack them in different ways. But the reality is it's still too low. Yeah. No matter how you really, even when you look at some of the gaps, 
other countries are like 85%. And, and so something isn't happening quite right. And that doesn't mean that we should walk through everyone that we enter, right? We can't do that. So somehow we have to improve the success rate of the people we let in. We have to select and give everyone the right opportunities. And then when they get there, give them every advantage they can to succeed and, and take away any of those barriers that might get in their way. And I think our solution by reducing that DFW rate at KSU by 50% wow. has shown how much you can reduce those barriers and have, have students do better. And here's the thing, over a three-year time period, the same assessment quality was used, right? There's scales for assessing how yeah. hard yeah. questions are and quizzes and assessments, et cetera. So without degrading the assessment quality, We've seen that kind of improvement. And for the, for the first time uh, ever, and this is after maybe four years there, we have now seen the online only students do equally as well as the students that go to classroom. Hmm. That's, that's, that's never uh, historically been the case. Online students would always typically not uh, perform as well. In this case, this last semester, the early data is that uh, they were, you know, uh, having parity. You can see how that would be extremely important to every school. Like you've probably seen Purdue yeah. by uh, Purdue Global now, right? As they push for online, as schools look to extend their reach in an online context, as schools look to uh, offset how much classroom time they need, how many teachers they need in those student-teacher ratios, what we're able to do is help them increase the student-teacher ratios, offer uh, off-cycle normal times, like a seven o'clock class, weekend class, online class, and have students do uh, just as well as those going through the uh, traditional program, but it's, it's more economical for the school. That's incredible. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, I, 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 as an educator myself, I was a, a teacher and my wife was a teacher and, you know, there's educators in their family. Though This really takes the cramming for a final exam out of the equation because you ought to, you, ought to, you know, throughout the, court, the, the semester, you know exactly where all your kids are at in their, in their education. And, you know, they're, you know if they've learned the material or not. And you don't have to have a... You're not selling me on this, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... They, 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 <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, is the final exam isn't a thing that has to happen. You know, you don't have right. to spend weeks cramming for a final exam because you've kept up with the material over the course of the semester. And it's really changing how students handle education now and not just teachers. Um, and the other thing is that it really puts accountability back on the school because they know, I mean, we've all taken exams online that you like just doesn't make any, this question doesn't make any sense. The answers are all wrong. Like, why is this? But there's no recourse. There's nothing you can do in order to fix that. You just have to say, well. Wait for the next edition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wait, you know, and then buy it for $150 yeah. for one typo that they fixed. I mean, that's, that's the problem with this. And you've probably answered all those uh, issues. As many as we can. I, and I think it's uh, an evolving you know, process all the time, but, um, you know, it's trying to bring, you know, that $150 expense you said down to that $70 range where you feel like uh, there's adequate value trade-off in some cases, you know, we'd of course 
you know, like to make it cost uh, even less yeah. as, as we can drive those costs where they need to be. We want to do that. Um, but, you know, you'd probably be surprised to know that the bookstore actually uh, is still friendly with us, right? Because you'd say, oh, no, these guys, there's no books. Yeah. But uh, we're able to sell a card in the bookstore. And because you're not getting that new version you talked about, no matter which card you have, it always works the latest version. Right. You're not trying to stock an old version, take a new one back, store inventory. You don't buy the old one back for right. $5. For $5, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so the bookstore can still play their role mm -hmm. uh, that they would play, uh, which is a very functional uh, role for many students who, who want to go there. But a lot of the inventory management and stuff is, is smoothed, uh, smoothed out you awesome. know, for them as well. It, it, it feels like too. There's a there's a side to this too that you're actually preparing people for employment too, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, I, I, you know, it's it's funny, but it's it's not. I was I was talking to a company here in town who was hiring. Uh, they were hiring a new front end developer, and they were asking me, you know, how do how do you gauge you know someone? And I say I gauge them based on how much research they go do. I don't, if someone sits down and just opens up an editor and starts typing code, I, I don't want them, I don't want them, I don't want to work with them because there might already be a solution out there or the, or the book might be out there or the text or the, or someone already started an open source project or whatever. And so from a company standpoint, I want someone, the first thing they do is lean on technology to see how fast they can execute a task. And, and so, and I feel like that's missing, you know, I, you probably, I, yeah. I know Ryan does this where <laughs> someone asks him, a, a client asks you a question mm -hmm. and you get on the Google, you find the answer and send the answer back to them. Yeah. I mean, there's no way we could keep all that knowledge in our head. I mean, every time we log into, you know, Google apps or office 365, we're like, where'd that come from? That's something new. Like, but had I not looked into it, right, I wouldn't know that it existed. But if we had students that were used to interacting with technology, mm -hmm. educating themselves, self-directing, self-assessing, yeah. you know, then then that transition to employment life where they have to go do that, you know, seems like it's going to be a, a, a another you know feature, if you will, of of that type of education. A a absolutely, I think. Though this is one of those uphill challenges that we always get to, which is, hey, it's completely digital. Well, they need a computer yeah. <laughs> uh, or a tablet or a yeah. mobile device. We, then we try. That's where we have to, you know, start to engage them in that in that sales process. Like, yeah, they have a phone; they can do their work on a phone. They have a tablet; they can do their work on the tablet. But if you are, in our belief anyway, if you are going to spend the amount of money that you're going to spend to commit to education and then graduate without computer skills. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's it just seems maybe not as well. Yeah. Like there's gotta be a way mm -hmm. to, 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 yeah. to cross the chasm. And, you know, we've even, right. We, we try to accommodate and work through that as best you can with, yeah computer labs and right like mm -hmm. when i went to school for a computer science major computer of your own wasn't really an option mm -hmm. you went to the lab and you did your work yeah. um so so those we're not talking about high-powered devices to do the type of stuff schools have those labs 
uh, and we can we can work through that stuff. Um, I, I think the other thing that publishers um, and and us to some degree face is just like you said. Well, like this is American history, so how much American history has changed? So why am I buying a textbook that if it's on Wikipedia? Yeah. Right. And I think uh, another reason why we really don't focus on selling the quote unquote textbook that that's not the necessarily the most important part of the story, right? What goes with building a course is all the extra stuff. It's, it's the analytics that we talked about. So like in week two, when you've started to fall behind the rest of your peers and the teacher gets a highlighted note that says, you know, Johnny is falling behind and can send him a direct message right in their alert system and engage that student for falling behind, you know, that, that makes a difference when we fix all the questions that you were talking about and make sure they actually line up with the test or the learning objectives of the class. Because the class will have learning objectives. Wikipedia has no learning objectives, right? right. It's, it's got raw knowledge. Um, but all those assessments and are these assessments at the right quality level to achieve the desired level of learning that this class is trying to prepare you for, in earnest, a lot of work goes into preparing those classes, preparing those questions, preparing those assessments, monitoring them all the time and mapping them to those learning outcomes. And, and, and many courses are the same course at different schools, but they will still have different learning objectives, right? You and I could read the same Wikipedia page, the same book, right? And we would come away from that experience and, and, and think about or take away some completely different learning at some point, right? Um, and so, so part of our challenge is making sure that that wraps up into the learning objectives that that specific instructor wants. And so we produce a separate ISBN and separate book for basically every school that we work with. And it's, it's all custom for the, for the schools. It's never, you know, cookie cuttered into uh, a different, a different example. And you, you just have to demostrate more value than, than, than where Wikipedia is at. Something against Wikipedia. But if a student feels incredibly wronged, if they could just Google. Right. Yeah. Right. Like what, what am I paying for? Yeah. Right. I could just Google this. I don't, sure. it, it, we've even had teachers tell us now that, that have been teaching 25, 30 years that half the trouble with teaching students today is they come in thinking they know more than the instructor. And this is a PhD that's instructor not, in some cases. Yeah, Wait, no, it's just kids in general. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I, I have I a seventeen-year-old. Why do I need to learn it? Yeah. So you know, it's the my uh, kids know that they're infinitely smarter than I am. So yeah, <laughs> well, they've obviously hung out with my children. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> my eight-year-old thinks she's smarter than me. Yeah, <laughs> she might be. That's incredible. So uh, like, okay, so how does? Uh, I'm a new student at this university. I get this card. What happens to get the book material content? You know, uh, nowadays what you would do is you'll log in your learning management system at your school. Okay. Okay. You log in. You go to whatever the course is that you're taking with us. And it is going to seamlessly pass you over to our course. And you may or may not realize that you've left the school system and you're completely in ours. Nice. And that day one, you probably know no different. You've logged into your normal school learning management system. You've used your same username and password that you've always used, and you're suddenly uh, in our course. And then it's going to lay out very clearly exactly what the expectation for you in that course is. 
And then at some point along the process, whatever's been worked out for that class, it's going to say, oh, it's time to pay, right? Eventually it will say it's time to pay. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, um, you're going you're gonna to seamlessly flow through that. And if you, if you got, let's say, financial aid, you're going to have a spot to enter the code from the card. If you're a school that would let them pay with a credit card, you're going to you know, pay a direct price. Okay. Right, it's probably going to be cheaper, but it would it would, it ideally flows seamlessly. The student never knows the difference. Now you've got you've got some obviously some huge universities that you're working with. What's what's the number of courses on an implementation like this? Um, well, for, for the moment, it, just taking a step back, this is it's sort of complicated how we how we would count. You know, schools, teachers, students. You know, how, how big is perceiving. So we, we often go like, well, we have 18 universities. Okay. Well, that seems simple, but well, now what about all the universities that are now using more than one course? Cause we now have nine courses. And so, you know, when we had one course, it was easy. We were like, yeah. Oh, we have one course. We have five schools. Good. You yeah. Know. Okay. Then, but then it was still, well, okay, but well, we have 90 teachers right. that we have to work with. <laughs> oh, well, now that sounds suddenly pretty, pretty, pretty different. Um, the, Metrics that we like to really think about still, we always love to think about schools, but really counting the number of students. And we probably serve roughly this year, probably 20,000 wow. uh, students. Yeah. Um, so, you know, continues to, to climb. Uh, very excited about, about that. We're 18 institutions, uh, a handful of them use more than one course now. Oh, um, so, so an institution might just sign up for the first course and then add on. And so it's a nice iterative kind of growth. That nice. Definitely. You know, we started in health and wellness. Uh, you know, you may not know 75% of, uh, students will have some sort of crisis, if you will, in that, in that arena. So we, we felt like, uh, it was an underserved, um, area to, to, to begin in that, uh, was a place that we could really attack the competition, if you will. Um, because everything was so focused on STEM, STEM, STEM sure. and wellness, you know, wasn't quite getting the same attention. It was so, so important. It, it also, it just felt really in line with our, with our mission long-term, uh, it was a great place to start, but now we offer classes like American history, speech, art, uh, sociology, really focusing in on your, your freshman, yep. sophomore level mm -hmm. type classes with these high student ratio situations. And so, yeah, absolutely. Now it's not going to be the same teacher that teaches our class. Right. They're going to hopefully say great things and they're going to be talking to another instructor and they're going to say, oh yeah, you, you should have your class be on you know, perceiving platform and, awesome. and, and look at, and look at their course. And so we have seen people start to do that, which is great. So where do, where do people go for information on this? Oh, probably www.perceivant.com. <laughs> if you could ever spell that P E R C E I V A N T. I have had to spell that many, many times. And what's, and what's around the corner for you guys? What's next? More courses, I think, uh, is, is, is around the corner for us. Uh, we are raising money right now. I, I, any, any six month period you called me, I'd probably say I was raising money. So maybe <laughs> it's not like the right indicator of where yeah. we're at. We're probably always doing that. Um, but you know, we have to, uh, increase the catalog to be, to be more relevant and be sure. able to be in more classrooms and reach, uh, more students. I think, uh, the technology platform, 
uh, for the most part, I think uh, has matured, yeah. stabilized yeah. to where it needs to be. We feel really good uh, about where that's at. Does that mean there's not some new things in the works? Of course there is. Uh, we have some great uh, analytics things going on and some we're actually partnering uh, with some universities and their PhD students and uh, oh, we have some great. it's fantastic they're great students I really enjoy uh, working with them and so um, we have some of those things that mm -hmm. will be you know starting to come out next year but so there's always something to do but for the most part our general product uh, is totally available we just you know, we need more courses to increase that reach. Fantastic. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Education's changed so much. You know, I obviously I got a junior in high school and we've been starting the college thing and we're looking, I'm like, oh my God, like the opportunities available now are just ridiculous. Right. It's, you know, it's, had we been in college at that time, like, oh, look, they've got like a 3D printing lab or a VR studio. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, right, uh, the, the, the logo, if you will, and our missions as you mm. live an insanely different life. Yeah. Right. And if you, if you think about, you know, we've been asked to change that and people don't like the word insane and mm -hmm. it triggers, you know, different thoughts and emotions. But for us, it, it, it just to the culture of the company is, is getting someone to succeed in a college career. Your life could be uh, insanely different yeah. than if you didn't do that. And, and that's not to say that some people uh, won't uh, live and excel through all their dreams by not going to college. But for, for those that choose that path, uh, it, it can be an insanely different opportunity for them to just do, you know, so much after that. Well, we've got to get people to a point too that, you know, if you, if you want to digitally transform, which our consumers are doing and our businesses are doing, you, you have to get it adjusted to insanity a little bit. You have to get adjusted to change. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a person that just cannot tolerate change, boy, you're just going to get run over. It doesn't matter. You know, your competitors are going to run you over mm -hmm. or, you know, or, or whatever is going to happen. And so, you know, I, I think about, you know, we've got 80 and 90 year old people now that are really good at mixing music on the web or, you know, yeah. doing whatever they do. How did they get there? Well, they got there just because they were forced, you mm -hmm. know, because that's that's where their hobbies went and that's yeah. where their community went and everything else. And so we've got to prepare people for this. And, and universities have been behind the eight ball, you know, for a while. So it's time that they stepped up. You know, they've had a model that's worked for a long time without necessarily needing or to change or realizing that it yeah. should change. It's, it, you know, it's an institution that um, is grounded in a certain amount of stability, which is good for so many, for right. so many reasons. Right. Uh, but, but the impetus to change is here now and, and they see the changing demographic. You know, I think universities are also looking at, uh, they can see the writing on the wall. I, I hate to say it. There is yeah. just mm -hmm. less, People born right now that are of college available age, those numbers are declining. Right. That is going to put pressure on you to be uh, more efficient. Think about how you work, how many students you can afford to admit, how many you are going to be able to attract, and how you compete for that. And when those populations are growing, 
right? It's always a little easier because yeah. there's mm-hmm. an overflow. Well, that is now uh, turned the corner. We know it's going, it's going to shrink. Um, and so, you know, you need to be uh, focused on value add, efficiency, uh, and being very much more competitive than than maybe you would have been. I think a lot of schools look at online and, and digital and, and other services as ways to really connect to a younger population and, and compete. On the other hand, in Georgia, you could go to, let's say, KSU tuition free if you're, I'm going to get the age wrong, let's say 60. Okay, I can't remember exactly yeah. what it is, but there's an age, right? So we literally have, you know, 18-year-olds and 60-year-olds That's awesome. taking, oh, that's so cool. taking these uh, classes. And, you know, <laughs> they get in there and they do the online quizzes and all this stuff, right? Uh, you know, just fine. So, But it's, it's great to see such a wide group of people who are just, you know, reinventing themselves at, like, let's say 60. You've just decided to go back and change careers and you not can you can do that <laughs> yes yes it is right? yes it is no, you can. You can. I'm, here. I'm always that you can. yeah well and, and i and I, I i'm definitely for anybody listening i'm never slighting higher education like i said both my kids are have done fantastic and and i think colleges for the right you know in universities worked probably the last two decades on cultural issues and lifestyle and, you know, making colleges the right stress-free environments for learning and constructive. I know my son went to IUPUI and every, every student at IUPUI pays a percentage of the math lab. So it's pulled out of your tuition. So if you need math tutoring, you just walk down to the math lab and get math tutoring. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, so there, so there's things I think that they, they built all the framework for this. Mm-hmm. It's just that we still did, you know, the learning management just kind of stuck because it worked for a couple hundred years. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. now it's, now it's, we got to make changes. So kudos to you guys for yeah, Hopefully it filters down into, you know, secondary, you know, high school and elementary Yeah. Good luck school. with that. No. <laughs> I know. I'm just messing. I know. Trust me. I've been an educator in Vienna. It's, it's, it's right. an experience. Well, um, thanks. Yeah, thanks thank so much, much for joining yeah. us today. Yeah, this is Great a fantastic conversation. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on all the success. Absolutely. And thank of course, you. if you want to write a check to Perceive It, they're ready. <laughs> right. so if you want to join our round, we're, we're, we're ready, happy to have you. If you're an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review.